Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Welcome back, you seekers of thriller fiction. Uh, it's good to be here. How you feeling today? Are you good? I'm good. Thanks for joining me today for Chapter 6 of Museum Attack, the Lane Parish thriller prequel novella. My name is Jim Heskett, and I'm about to read it to you. Also, I just want to say, because I don't think I've mentioned this uh, previously, that if you um, if you dig the music that you can find uh, at the uh, beginning and the end of these episodes, the music is all done by me. These are all my creations. Well, if you like it and you want to hear more, you can go to jimheskett.com forward slash podcast music, and that will redirect you to the blog where I post um, music reviews and also my own original music and Beastie Boys remixes. I like to do Beastie Boys remixes. Uh, Those are always fun. Uh, Rest in peace, MCA. Anyway, uh, also, if you like this Museum Attack book we're reading, make sure you go to jimheskett.com forward slash free so you can download this for free. And uh, go to jimheskett.com forward slash thriller podcast to learn a little more about the show. And also, while you're there, just uh, since you're already there, you know, you've already got your browser open, might as well go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest and enter to win some free stuff. All right, rock and roll, man. Now that I've thoroughly bored you by giving you all those details about stuff that you don't even really care about, let's go ahead and get into our reading for this episode. Uh, This is Chapter 6 of Museum Attack, and it's uh, about 1,300 words, so this will take about 10 minutes. So here we go. Let's get into it. Lane tumbled down the slim metal chute, banging his feet in the walls as he fell. His descent lasted about two seconds and ended in a dumpster filled with muck and slime. His body submerged and he couldn't see at first. At least the muck and slime was relatively soft. He opened his eyes, knee-deep in napkins, paper plates, and mountains of discarded food. He pushed himself up until his head was out in the open air. Ugh, he said as his nostrils absorbed the full aroma. He quickly shut his mouth. His chest hiccuped a few times, trying to retch. Of all the disgusting and reprehensible places Lane Parrish had found himself, he couldn't ever remember diving in a dumpster before, not even on one of his undercover jaunts in the shadier cities of the world. He reached to the lip of the dumpster and yanked himself up as debris poured off him like water. Grimy hands grasped hold of the metal ridge of the dumpster and pulled his torso up to the rim. He slid over the side, his legs swinging, and thunked onto the cold tile below. His eyes fluttered a few times before he could see again. This room was maybe 20 by 20, with tile walls to complement the floor, exposed piping, cleaning equipment, and shelves stacked high with boxes of dry goods. Fluorescent lights above cast everything in a yellow hue. Time to calibrate. Lane snatched a milk crate and turned it over to make a chair. He slumped onto it, back aching. His knees and elbows had bumped all the way down the chute. He inhaled a few times to clear his head and get his bearings. He worked his jaw around a few more times to test the damage Red's rifle stock had done to his chin. With his arms together, the two cherub tattoos were next to each other. He then addressed the tattoos. 
Here's the situation as I know it. Upstairs, we have about a dozen of these people. Those are the ones I could see, but there might be more. They're heavily armed and have taken about 100 hostages inside one of the museum buildings. They blew up the other two buildings, probably as a distraction, so they could bring their Humvees into the courtyard. For some reason, they've locked down the museum and separated the hostages by gender. I'm alone in the museum basement with no weapons and no plan. The tattoos gave no response. And while Lane felt he had a strong grasp of the situation, that did not set his mind at ease. Either way, he had to move. When he stood, the aching in his back had abated a little. He bounced on his feet a few times, swung his arms back and forth. He hadn't stretched yet today. Then he explored the room. He couldn't find a door to the outside, but the far side of the room contained a door that led into a kitchen. He scoured the cabinets and drawers for blades, scissors, or maybe a meat tenderizer, and located some meager steak knives along a magnetic strip on the far side of a fridge. A fire axe or a sledgehammer would have been better, but he would have to make do. Steak knife versus assault rifles wasn't much of a fair fight. Without a sheath to stick it in, he shoved the blade in his belt loop. That could be a problem in tight spaces, but it was the best he had. Next time I go to an art museum, he said to the room, I'm bringing a gun. A set of stairs led up from the kitchen. He leaned into them, listening, heard only the usual hum of the building. With the knife out, he ascended the stairs, his tennis shoes soft and light. The stairwell was dark and unpainted, employee access. Lane stopped on the first floor, hovering outside a door. No way to know where this door opened to. He might find a cluster of armed soldiers on the other side. Before he left this spot, he practiced drawing the knife from his belt a few times. The serrated blade felt awkward in his hands, and he almost slashed his hip on the first attempt, trying to take it out quickly. He felt scattered and unfocused. This was not a good time to defend himself against a superior force. Lane continued on to the second floor and pressed his ear against the door. He heard nothing but the vibration of the building coming back. He pressed the bar to open the door as gently as possible. A rush of air flew in when the door creaked open. He peeked out, saw no one to the right, leaned his head through the door and discovered no one to the left, either. Out onto the second floor, he found himself among a collection of paintings in a large room. American West, mostly. Cowboys watching over herds of cattle, rivers rushing through canyons, a few sculptures on lighted pedestals. And he could hear the people in the lobby from here. To his left was the open atrium overlooking the first floor. Red was barking orders at someone, but Lane couldn't make out the words. A desire to creep over there and steal a look at Jasmine burned at him, but it wasn't worth it. No sense in exposing himself. Instead, he opted to go right. He had to be quick about his next move. Sooner or later, they would figure out he wasn't among the crowd. To these people, the tattooed white guy with the black woman for a date would be someone they'd remember. To his right, past the paintings, Lane followed a hallway. He dimly remembered seeing a balcony on the exterior of the building before the chaos had erupted. From his vantage on the ground, it looked like it was on either the second or the third floor. If he could access that balcony, he could signal the police. Somehow. He would have to figure out that part when he got there. As he crept down the hallway, he neared a bend. Voices up ahead. He froze behind a bronze statue of a buffalo, clutching the knife. Is he ready down there or what? said a man around the corner. Nope, said a second man. Well, what's he waiting for? Hell if I know, said the second guy. You know how he is, dude. 
half the fun for him is the theater of it, like walking around with that big shit-eating grin on his face, making everyone poop their pants, and then have to sit in it. Keep your voice down, said the first guy. If he hears you calling his grin shit-eating, then that's your ass. The second man scoffed. Please, he's a little too busy in the lobby to worry about what we're doing. Whatever, said the first guy. Should we go up to four and start collecting the pieces? Lane's brow creased and he tilted his head, puzzled. They were art thieves? No, said the first guy. Not till Red says it's okay. I don't get it. Why don't we just burn the whole damn building and be done with it? Why do we have to go through all this? Are you serious, said the other guy. What, said the first guy, what do you mean? Destroying the pieces isn't the main plan. We need video of the hostages doing it. That's what I'm saying. I don't get why. It's the whole point, dumbass, for them to destroy the stuff. We bring them up in small groups, they destroy a painting or two, then they each get a bullet in the head. Rinse and repeat until we're out of art or we're out of hostages. All right, well, there is your cliffhangery ending for this episode. That's chapter six of Museum Attack, and we've got 13 chapters left to go. Um, it's going to start getting super exciting, and I'm not going to hype it because, you know, I've done that before, and it just sounds dumb when I keep telling you how exciting it is when you could just go listen to the next episode. So um, this is another short and sweet one. Hopefully I'm going to be releasing these all in quick succession so you won't have to wait too long, or if you're listening to them after they've all been released, then... All you have to do is click the next button. Um, if you're new to the show, you know this is the second season. The first season I read Nailgun Messiah, the Micah Reed book number one. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. You, if you're new, go back and listen to that too, even though the intro and the outro are different. And back then, in the first season, I talk about some stuff like giveaways I was doing and the prices of books and stuff. That, that stuff no longer applies. And I've learned my lesson now, and I'm not going to talk about time-sensitive stuff because I realized that for the most part, a lot of you are going to be listening to this in the future. And um, first of all, I hope the future is going well. I hope uh, I'm still alive whenever it is. You know, if it's 10 years or 500 years from now, I hope I'm still around. Um, so I'm not going to talk about time-sensitive stuff anymore, which does kind of limit what I can talk about other than to say, you know, I hope you'll go to jimhaskett.com, check out stuff and, you know, poke around, kick the tires and um, maybe, you know, check out some of my books if you're interested in that. Uh, that's all I have to say now. Um, so I'm going to wrap it up and I hope I will see you on the other side in the next episode. All right, friend, take her easy. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.